Welcome to the Comparing Notes podcast. My name is Glenn Schreiber and I'm alongside my host Andy Wolf and Ryan Haskins. We are three ordinary pastors from three different generations comparing notes about life and ministry. At the beginning of each podcast, we like to illustrate our differing generational perspectives and experiences by answering a question. And the question for this podcast is this. What's a top issue you were dealing with as a senior in high school? So Andy, Ryan, what was a top issue you were dealing with as a senior in high school? Well, I can go first on this one. Um, I'm going to take this, I guess it is both personal, but it is also just a little bit spiritual and church oriented. Um, like any senior guy in high school, I was thinking a lot about girls. So that definitely was one of the top issues. But, um, in particular, the, the first thing that came to mind was the thing that was rolling around my high school time period was the, uh, the teaching of Josh Harris and I kiss dating goodbye. And so we had many, many discussions about how we could kiss dating goodbye and whether this was a good thing or a bad thing. I did for a while hold to it. I now look back on it and not so much. Um, but I know, and, and the irony is I knew my wife as a friend for a long time uh, prior to us dating and then uh, ultimately getting married. So her and I even had discussions over the validity and the wisdom of I kiss dating goodbye. Um, so yeah, that's what we were thinking about during my senior year of high school. Yeah, understandable. Andy? Yeah, I would say um, just in a big sense, future was probably the, the biggest thing on my mind. Um, I had my future wife. I was dating her as a um, high school sweethearts. And so thinking about kind of our relationship, how that would change, I kind of at that point um, early in my senior year had decided uh, that I was going to head towards ministry. Um, and so kind of trying to line things up, I actually made a decision in my senior year not to go into the Air Force um, and decided not to go in that direction. But what would that look like? How would that work its way out? Where would I go to school? How would that change my relationships? All those kind of, you know, big future um, decisions, I think, were the biggest things that were on my mind. Uh, yeah, thanks, guys. That You two have captured uh, where my mind was at that time, of course, girls and, and future. Um, and I wouldn't have used this word back then, but I look at it now and saying it's identity. It's like I was trying to just figure out who I was. And so I would use my relationship with those girls uh, or what I wanted there or with uh, uh, with sports. You know, was that going to be my identity and go on u- utilizing uh, that arena? Uh, my dad wanted us all to be engineers, so my schooling uh, certainly was uh, uh, in the picture at that point, and my older brother, who was uh, just graduating as an electrical engineer at that time. So anyway, identity and just kind of where I fit into it all. Um, guys, I have another question for you for our, our theme, our topic today, and uh, I'd like you to consider your congregations. Uh, your leadership at the church. What would you say are the top three discipleship issues that they're confronting in 2023? What are the the three issues that they're wrestling with in following Jesus and his ways at this particular time? I say three because we can list all kinds of issues that we deal with. 
that, uh, that that capture us at a moment. But in trying to prioritize, uh, where does your mind go when you're thinking of your congregation? Are you thinking of the guys you're in leadership with and what they're wrestling with and following Jesus? I'm not sure I can point to three, um, but the first one that came to mind was uh, what is truth and what is the foundation of truth uh, with the way that our, especially our nation is going, um, where the idea of a um, universal and um, authoritative truth has been uh, kind of taken off the table and been replaced by more of a postmodern um, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth and those two things don't have to exist um, or, or, or don't have to agree upon each other. And then as believers, you know, obviously we look to scripture as our ultimate truth and we look to it as our foundation, but that definitely goes um, against the grain of our culture. Um, that definitely goes against the grain of, of politics, even at times in the way that we communicate. And so being able to identify uh, what God calls us to, um, and then being able to identify how to defend against um uh, um, falsehoods, but also, um, in, in, in an apologetic manner, also, um, defend the truth and then stand firm in it. Yeah, that's good. Andy, just a response to that. Any thoughts come to my mind as you hear Ryan sharing that? Well, I mean, I think in some ways it's, it's a derivative of that, uh, I don't know that it's that philosophical, but I think it's like, what are the things that we're going to stand for and what are the things that we're going to fight for, fight against? Um, you know, that that leaks its way into political issues that leaks its way into issues of truth, um, you know, and then it, do we as a as individuals or do we as churches then support or not support or connect with or speak about? some of those things. Um, and I think all those, all those tend to leak into, you know, are we going to talk about abortion? Are we going to talk about transgenderism? Are we going to talk about um, more philosophical kind of what is truth type of ideas? Um, and so how, and then at what level do we talk about those? Are those things that we make, you know, policies about that we're going to have certain uh, things that we, we allow happen in our church? Um, building and other things that we don't. So I think those, that's probably one of the, one of the key things. Yeah. My mind as you were sharing, uh, Ryan was just, who do we trust? Who do we listen to? Who do we go mm -hmm. to for that truth? Uh, when we have so many things bombarding us in our culture today, and we're seeking that truth or that way, and we want to do what's right. And we want to do what would be pleasing to the Lord in all these situations, but who do we go to? Uh, as an authority for that, the word, of course, um, you'd like to think they would come to the pastor, but I think our role has been diminished uh, for various reasons over these last uh, number of years. So, yeah, that's a that's an important one. Andy, uh, how about one of yours that came to my mind? Well, I mean, I think it's related in some ways, but maybe different or or broader. And I would say just the the word distraction comes to mind. You know, we, we think about uh, all of the different things that we, um, we have access to, you know, uh, we, my wife and I have been talking about uh, the, even the nature of our entertainment these days, right? It used to be you, 
you turned on your TV and there was the three options and you click between those. And if you, you wanted to watch something, you watched it at the time it was there. And now it's like, here's 300 options and, Mm -hmm. you know, here's a different service and that you pay for to stream this or listen to that or, um, and, and all of that becomes a distraction. Um, and then you add into the complexities of modern life, um, whether it's with jobs or families or vehicles and all, all of those different things just pile onto a person eventually. And then spiritual life, I think, for the most part, uh, many times gets shuffled to the back. Like, we'll we'll kind of think about that. We'll deal with that Sunday morning, you know, from from 10 to 1130. And then we'll kind of file that back into the the midst of everything. And I, I think I feel that I I say that because I feel that acutely for myself at times, you know, um, there, there's all these other things that can be distracting, um, to, to what is the central, uh, idea of, and the central desire of our our heart and our life. So. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, uh, Ryan, you would, uh, readily see that with your congregation as well. Correct. Absolutely. And, and, and as Andy said, even in my own heart and life, um, I know I have been convicted by just the busyness, um, of life that I have led and even been proud of at times and really convicted, um, of getting away from ideas that are central to, um, fellowship with God, such as Sabbath, where it's, it, it just seems like a, a Sabbath has been, um, wrongly understood at times and maybe has been placed in the category of, uh, of duty and, and, a, and a box checking moment for Christians. And yet, I mean, just thinking about the idea of Sabbath is, 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 uh, stands in the way of everything that Andy just described there. And so many of our congregant members struggle with of just adding one more thing to the calendar, doing one more thing to, to please God and neighbor, um, just kind of always rushing around and never stopping and considering who we are as creatures um, in, in light of who our creator is. So I, I definitely, I echo that that's a, that's a need um, more and more as our world is filled with stuff and noise and information. It's, it's harder to have those moments of, of rest, of quiet, of meditation, of Sabbath. Yeah, it definitely takes some intentionality. I'll throw in one of mine that I see in the congregations that I come alongside of. And just that and you fed right into this. Just so many of us that are just crushed with anxieties. Whether it be mm-hmm. social anxieties, financial anxiety. I mean, just a purpose. I mean, just uh, again, that we're being bombarded with so much. Um, expectations uh, find their way into our lives from so many different avenues. And, uh, and just uh, how do I follow Jesus when I'm feeling so anxious, when I just don't know, I can't settle, I'm not finding that rest. Uh, where do I find it? Where do I go? Going back to that truth, where do I, where do I find the, uh, uh, that centering uh, that I so desperately want to be able to make good, solid decisions in the midst? Um, Glenn, do you think from a longer term view, I mean, there's a lot of discussion these days that anxiety and anxiety conditions um, psychologically are on the rise. Do you, do you think that's more of an awareness from our congregation of those things? Or do you think there's things that in our day and age, in our moment in history, that those are producing? Or was it just 
in earlier days, it was more about survival than you. You may have been anxious, but you stuffed it underneath the need to actually survive. Is it the, the geometric curve that just starts to it starts to curve up higher and higher? So I'd say my generation, I mean, I mean, the last 100, 200 years, there's been so much innovation, so much new information that we've had to deal with and, and, and with travel and communications, all that. So I think my generation would say what this generation is saying, well, we've had to face things that we, others have never had to face before. And so I think that that geometrically, I think today's younger generation is dealing with and having to deal with so much more than uh, than I did. And you did, Andy, at Ryan, where you're at. I just think it's just uh, compounding. Uh, yet, I think the answer for each generation goes back to how do we find that centering place? And we would say we find that centering place in Jesus, uh, in his word, and in some of those basic disciplines that we need to uh, carve out in our lives to be able to help us uh, get through all that noise. Ryan, any thoughts? Yeah, it was interesting, Glenn. In the um, in your response to mine, you brought up the idea of trust, and then even I think with the anxiety factor, there there's so much noise now, even on the Christian side of life, from thousands of pastors and hundreds of notable voices out there, and they all are well-meaning, and they all uh, I'm, I'm, I, they they all have this desire to disciple followers of Christ, but the way that they can do that can be different. And so I have found when you start to compare one tradition with another tradition and one method with another method, you can have this heightened anxiety of what, who am I supposed to trust? Who am I supposed to listen to? What am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? And I know you mentioned that, um, of trusting your your local pastor, and I completely agree with that. Except with the ability to go listen to somebody on the other side of the country and on the other side of the world, sit there and say, "Well, good Christians do X, Y, and Z, and following Christ looks like this, that, and the other thing." We can be so riddled with this idea of I'm not doing enough, and it's really just made me think. I'm, I'm preaching through John at the moment. And so just being able to, to, to look at Jesus is wrecking my heart in the best way possible, because you can see that Jesus steps into this so, you know, heavily religious environment where these people are just trying to keep up with the, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and everyone else that says, this is what you have to do to, to be a good religious person. And Jesus offers them something very simple and it is trust and rest in him. And I just, I look at the everyday Christian being so caught in that same cycle because they, they judge, they, they feel like they're being judged. Often they are judged and then they're judging other people based upon how good they are. And yet it just creates this spiritual anxiety and this constant threat. I, I think it, I think it creates this fear of, am I doing enough? Because there's always somebody out there saying they have to do more. <laughs> and it's this fear of, if I don't do more, is Jesus going to not love me, not accept me? Am I not going to get to heaven? Which then is, they get into this spiral effect of being caught in the vortex of, I got to do, and then there's more anxiety, and then there's more fear. And you can have, unfortunately, these Christians that are just worn out and beat up 
because they're trying to accomplish all the things that they're hearing that they have to accomplish. Yeah. So that was a little bit of a rant. No, but that's good because it's, I mean, part of our role as spiritual leaders is to help them decipher that it's more the being than the doing mm-hmm. and, uh, and to uh, be able to set those, those doing expectations aside or get them in their proper perspective. Um, and that really all this stuff that's bombarding us is exposing us to ourselves, to the world, but also then exposing our need for Jesus to be able to come in and give us that perspective and that empowerment to be able to navigate what life has for us. Oh, uh, other issues. Um, Ryan, let's jump back to you. Do you have another issue that came to your mind as? I mean, you guys are really hitting on all of them. I think, as Andy said, the, um, the I think the big one for this year and even heading into next year with the political season is, is that one of the big hot button topics that I keep hearing in the church is what is the church's role in politics of, you know, books like Christian nationalism coming out and, and what, what does, what is the appropriate role of the church and or Christian in the political landscape? Um, and, and I, and it's disconcerting to me just to see again with the, um, with the amount of information and communication out there, one pastor throwing stones at another pastor for, because they're on, they have two different views of this and therefore they're saying, you know, in order to be a good Christian, you have to do this, that, or the other thing. Um, I think that the believers, the everyday believers in the pews are, are, will get caught in that and can be suffocated by it. Um, and also will need to know how can they have, um, how can they have a active political voice and at the same time not confuse things in the church. So I definitely think that will continue to be one. I don't think that's that's a new um uh a, a new idea in our discipleship, but it will continue to be a a big hot button issue. I think this next political cycle will certainly tell us if we've learned anything over these last number of years. I'm not holding I'm not hopeful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh my. Andy, how about yourself? Another another issue that comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, I, I think in one way this is one that uh, maybe is personal and maybe is my own hot button. But really asking the question, me personally from our church, how are we going to invest ourselves in the next generation? Uh, in that whole idea of, you know, passing to faithful men who will teach others also. And, and I think for a lot of leaders, pastors, that's not on their radar. I think it's a lot about, you know, how are we going to maintain what we have? You know, how are we going to keep things going uh, versus how, what's going to happen when I'm gone? Hmm. And, you know, in one way that, isn't that the key discipleship issue? I mean, that, that we, that we have to be asking. Um, I, frankly, I was a little surprised and blown away recently here um, I asked to have dinner with uh, any of guys that were between 18 and 30. And i be honest, I had really low expectations. Um, I had a list of about 15 guys that I, I was kind of targeting. And I said, I'm going to buy you dinner. We're going to come together. And I just want to A, get to know you, have you guys get to know each other, and then kind of hear what is it that you are thinking about? What is it that you want to um, talk about? 
I had 13 guys show up. Oh my. You know, and, and so I just wonder if we as an older generation are somewhat um, blind to the need and maybe even to the hunger. And yet at the same time, not quite sure how to engage. And so I, I don't know that I have an answer to that question. I'm trying to discover that for myself. Um, but I do think it's probably one of the biggest questions or issues that we're going to have to deal with in the next 10 to 15 years. I think that, wow, it's going to be really important to, to follow your journey here. Uh, important for all of us just to hear what you do learn and discover and to be courageous like you in asking that. Because I do think that's important. And I don't know why, but yesterday while I was sitting in church, my mind went back to my first year or two as a young believer, uh, end of high school into, uh, into college years, and the local church and how they took the risk of inviting me and others that were young in our faith like that to be a part of reading scripture or giving a prayer up front, even delivering a message, which I shrink in horror thinking about what that was like, but must have been like, but how formative that was, important that was. And yet, do we see that today when we're trying to put on, you know, just the, uh, the different, well, for some productions in our churches uh, that we have today? Uh, it's just uh, having, I think it's a real challenge for us to be able to find ways to be able to encourage those young leaders to step into that. And I'm thankful. And it was interesting. I asked them to write down questions that they wanted to talk about. And I was, I was kind of bracing myself thinking, man, I'm going to have to do a lot of thinking, or this is going to be really hard, or, you know, there's going to be some things that catch me off guard. To be honest, they really weren't that surprising. I mean, mm. It was kind of like, oh, yeah, I would expect you at this stage of your life to have these kind of questions. And I don't know that I have the answer, but I, I can take you to some scripture and we can think through some of these things. Um, to me, the bigger question is going to be how to engage them to to think through them biblically. Um, I don't think handing them a book and saying, hey, we're going to go through this is going to work. Um but I think maybe throwing them an article and saying even maybe an article that they may struggle with to look at and talk about together. So I don't know. I think it's a challenge, but I think it's an important one. Well, I just think your intentional uh, engagement with them just means means a ton to them. Just that, and uh, what will come from it will be uh, will be rich. I'm sure. Uh, I think even with just Glenn hearing your experience as a as a young Christian and then Andy you you leaning into these young guys uh, highlights to me that the the church it's it can so easily fall into this m mode of operating out of fear fear of is something wrong going to be said is some question is is a hard question going to be asked that we don't have an answer to or a fear of we can't, you know, allow them to come in and have a voice because they might um, sh shift us in in some some different direction. And yet, I mean, just hearing Glenn that as a young Christian that probably didn't know hardly anything compared to what what you do now, but you were given a space where you could, out of um, you know the, the the joy of your heart read scripture and pray. I mean, I and, you know, even give a sermon and I'm sure that there were, there's boundaries and guidelines around that. Um, I just think so often for so many of our churches, especially in our tradition of, of conservative churches, 
we we fear so much having something said that's wrong or allowing somebody a platform that might be either, either difficult to sit through or maybe embarrassing or maybe we have to apologize for or maybe it just it isn't going to be polished that we never give those individuals a chance to exercise those gifts and so it's always the same consistent Sunday school teachers the same consistent people reading scripture the same consistent people doing the things because there is a an element of fear of what if we give this other guy a chance and he and they mess up or they stumble and fall. And yet I just think about it. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't have been able to get anywhere where I, I am today unless I had an opportunity. It's like, here you go. This will be safe. And I've had those moments when it fell on my face. So Andy, I'm so encouraged that you are identifying that that younger generation needs to be pulled along, but then giving them um, the space and the intentionality and just the respect that that deserves of like, Hey, let's come have a conversation and who knows what's going to come out of it. But you know, you, you have a space in the church. You, you also can serve and can, can serve God here. Like, like everyone else. So I'm excited to see what happens there. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, we know that our congregations are uh, filled with folks that are struggling like we are. Uh, wanting to follow Jesus, wanting to wake up every day and be pleasing to Him, and yet realizing how much of a challenge it really is, uh, whatever it may be that's facing us. And I just uh, thank you two and all the others like you that are uh, uh, working every day, uh, trying to figure out better ways to be able to help our people uh, walk that path that Jesus would want us to to walk. And uh, so... Uh, gentlemen, thank you for your interaction today. We appreciate all our listeners. We know that it's not an easy task uh, wanting to, uh, to journey with Jesus, but uh, together, and I think uh, interacting in the ways that we are right here will help each other find that way. So thank you again for listening to the Comparing Notes podcast. We look forward to uh, being with you next time. Thank you for listening to the Comparing Notes podcast. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so by emailing us at comparingnotes at gmail.com.